Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Are you single again after being in a long-term relationship? Do you believe you have to play games in order to get a woman to go on a date with you? And are you scared to end a relationship because you don't want her to get upset? Dr. Robert Glover wrote the classic No More Mr. Nice Guy, and he's back with a new book called Dating Essentials for Men. Today, we talk about how we can approach dating without being a douchebag, set high standards for the character of the women that we want to date, and have the balls to get out of a lousy relationship before it's too late. Well, I am actually really excited about this book because people come to me and they're like, hey, I need some dating information or whatever. And I'm like, there's just so much douchebaggery out there. (laughs) So so I I, I was glad that you sent this to me and I was like, cool, because I know you do good work. Your your interview that we did a few years ago, I guess it was more than a few years ago. I, I there's so many guys that that listen to that interview, and then there's so many guys that have that have bought that book. I, I have yet to meet a guy, no matter how badass he thinks he is, that can't benefit from nor Mister Nice Guy. So I was really excited that you that you had a book that was going to uh, uh, focus on dating. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to talk about it with you. The, the, the thing that strikes me is like how much of this dating market, and I've been out of the dating game for a long time. I've been married since 2005, but the, the dating market just seems to be full of these pickup artists and schemes and games and formulas. Um, I'm curious how your approach, uh, you've got a different approach. How Describe your approach to dating. How's it different from the, all that gamey stuff? Well, it I, I even kind of, this isn't the subtitle of the book, but a kind of a tagline is the unpickup approach to dating success. Um, yeah, when I started dating in my late forties, I'd, I'd gotten out of my second marriage. I'd been married 25 years, hadn't dated since college, sucked at it back then. I used what I call nice guy seduction where, you know, I'd, I'd try to go real slow with a woman, listen to her, talk about her problems, you know, volunteer to help her do things, hide my sexual agenda. And, and you know, and, that didn't work very well. Mm. And when I did get a woman, I stayed with them way too long because I was didn't want to get out there and have to go through all of that uh, stuff again. Okay. So when I became single in my late 40s, um, 
I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. And so I had clients that started giving me books and CDs and podcasts were just starting around that time. And, um, and most of it was pickup oriented. Um, you know, not a, not a lot of hardcore, but you know, David D'Angelo, double your dating. You know, I read the game, um, you know, art of charm had just kind of come along. And, you know, at that time there were, you know, kind of your hardcore pickup. And, and then what I noticed is over time, a lot of them kind of, um, um, grew up, I guess, you know, they, mm-hmm. they became more authentic in their approach. And really, I, I found out quickly, you know, I, I didn't have to play games with women. It wasn't necessary. Um, as I worked on myself, especially worked on my social skills, um, w- was bolder in, in my interaction with women instead of being so passive and going slow and waiting for them to put up a billboard that said, ask me for my phone number. Right. Um, as I, as I got a little more bolder, I started noticing everywhere I went, women were noticing me. You know, I noticed them checking me out or walking in front of me or touching my arm or laughing at my jokes. And I thought, well, wait a minute, this isn't near as hard as I thought it was going to be. And, um, and then like my dating just took off. I was dating lots of women, having lots of sex. And several of my clients said, what are you doing? Teach us. And to think that I'd be a dating guru in my late forties never crossed my mind just because I was so terrible about it as a young man. But really my basic theme is, is I I contrast attraction versus approach. Uh, Approach to me is 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 basically targeting women, usually based on their physical features, and you know it feeds into our ego, feeds into self-esteem issues, and I want that woman because she's hot, and so we target her, and then you know we do whatever it takes to try to get her to give us a number or go out with us, whatever, mm-hmm. and and the problem is is doing that gives the woman all the power, especially if she has lots of men, you know, approaching her, she's the decider, she's the alpha, she's got all the power, and I I borrow a line from David Data. Uh, the author of The Way of the Superior Man, and I've heard him say a few times, choose a woman who chooses you. And when I started really applying that to my interaction with women, that the women already had to be showing high interest in me, kind of the door already had to be open instead of me pounding on a closed door, I was amazed with how many great women I, I met, uh, how, how easy it was to get phone numbers, go on dates. These women were getting naked with me on first and second dates without me pushing or trying to get them to, you know, to, to get naked. And I thought, man, what planet have I landed on? And it really comes down to, to really my, kind of the way I put it is learning to be comfortable in your own skin, becoming a, a, a social animal, working on your social IQ, uh, work at shedding your sexual shame, um, let go of all that pickup bullshit and and just get out there and be you and start noticing the doors that open. Oh yeah, and challenge your self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of times a guy, a woman will be paying attention to him, but he's thinking, oh, you know, she's just being nice or it's just her job or she's looking at somebody else, not me. Women like that don't pay attention to me. And and then you just like dismiss it and then we just we don't walk through those open doors. So that, that that's so crucial is, is challenge those self-limiting beliefs and then walk through the open doors. Okay. Let's slow down here because, man, there's a lot of stuff that you just laid I, out I, there. I, I teed up several things. <laughs> um, choose a woman that chooses you. Let, let's, let's pick that one up because it seems like, like we do tend to go out and even guys that I hear talk about when they're using these dating apps, it's purely about physical attraction. And so sure. it creates a um, an imbalance there 
where we miss, hey, what's this person like energetically? What's this person like to just hang out with? Do I enjoy being with this person versus like, I want to put my mouth on that person. So talk about this process of figuring out, like having some discernment about the women that we choose. I think that's that's important. That's a good, that's a good start. And when, when I did get divorced, uh, like I said, my late forties around 2003, I, I realized, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd married two women that I should not have gone on more than two dates with either one of them, but mm-hmm. I was married to them for 25 years. So I, I made a decision. If I'm going to do anything differently, my life's going to be different. If my relationships are going to be different, I, I had to do at least two things. One was become a better picker and the others become a better ender. And, and what I realized dating is all about making a lot of bad picks, you know, and hopefully you have a lot of one and dones when you're dating. That's actually a good thing. A lot of guys say, Oh, I never get past the first date. That's actually a good thing. You know, people go on a first date to find out, do I want to go on a second date? And hopefully, you know, you find out enough about the other person and them about us that, that you can make a decision. Yeah, this is worth investing more time in. I want to, I want to just slow that down. Cause that, that's huge because a lot of us are looking at somebody and it's like, is this the one should I even, is it worth my time to even go on the first date? We're like, what, could I imagine introducing her to my parents and what are my friends going to think about her? And it's like, we, we set up this huge criteria before we even go on a date, but it's like, Hey, we want to go on lots of dates. We want to have lots of experiments because we want to gather a lot of data and see from experience if this really works. Is that right? Exactly. You you want to you want to meet a lot of people. That's where I talk about becoming a social animal. I I I I, I say I tell guys about my book that the dating essentials for men is is really a book of how how to be a social animal. But I'm using men's desire to to, to date, to have a girlfriend, to have sex as their motivation to become more social. And 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 in this process of being social, you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to interact with a lot of people and develop social skills with a lot of people. And and you learn to do that without attachment to outcome. Um, Buddha said attachment is the cause of all suffering. It's also the cause of all anxiety. It's also the cause of, of all inaction. So you, you think, oh, this woman's great. You know, I, I think she could be the one. And then we don't even talk to her because we built it up and we got so attached to an outcome. Hmm. That's why you got to go on a lot of dates. And, and as you go, the only thing, first date, I tell guys, all you're really looking for, is she a cool chick? Is she a cool chick? I, you know, I don't mean that in a demeaning way. She is she an interesting woman that you want to hang out with more than once? And if she isn't, don't go out with her again. If she seems interesting, if she seems intelligent, if she seems like she's read a book or two in her lifetime, if it seems like she has good relationships with her female friends and family, if she doesn't talk too much about herself, uh, you know, if she doesn't want to talk about their Kardashians the entire time, then you might decide if you want to go on a second or third date. And then on those second and third dates, then I think what you're looking for is what is her nature? I mean, who is this person? Because I tell guys, you know, beauty really is only skin deep. Beauty really does fade. But moody, bitchy, and entitled lasts forever. So you want to find <laughs> out those things real early on. Well, I just love that, that discernment of like, is she a cool chick? Which is a lot different of like, will this woman have sex with me? Will this woman make me look good? Is she going to be embarrassing, you know, if, if somebody sees yeah. me with this person? Which is a lot different than, do I just like to hang out with this person? So I love that discernment there of shifting over uh, and having that awareness as we, as we choose the people we want to hang out with. And, 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 and from there, we start asking, what is her nature and how does she fit into my life? Now, the number one mistake 
pretty much all men make, no matter what your dating skills are, what your dating level is. The number one mistake most men make is trying to get a woman to like them, trying to impress her, trying you know to get her to the next step, blah, 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 blah. And again, that makes her the decider. And I've been a marriage therapist for over 30 years. That's what my training's in. And I can't tell you how many relationships I've seen where the man started out trying to get the woman's approval, and five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, he's still working his ass off to get the woman's approval, and he's married to her. So that goes back to choosing a woman that chooses you. So what you're checking for as you continue to date a woman is what is her nature? Is she generous? Is she kind? Is she playful? Is she sensual? Is she funny? Is she intelligent? What is her nature? And how does she fit into your life? Not how can you figure out how to fit into her life? You be the decider. Don't give that power away. You be the decider because if you're the decider, you can also decide she doesn't work for you at at any time, that she's not a good fit for you. It seems like we'd also have to be willing to be alone, right? If we're if we're unwilling to be with the tension of being alone and, you know, saying no to these women, uh, then we're going to always be, I have to have somebody in my life. I can't be alone. I have to be dating, which is but it's the real power comes from I'm OK being by myself. I'm OK going on more dates or I'm OK. It seems like there's an, a mentality there of there's plenty of options instead of this is the only game in town. This is as good as it's going to get. Oh, you, you nailed it, Trip. because that's the second part of what I decided. I had to become a better ender. So I had to get better at picking the women, make better decisions about it, and end it quickly if I realized this woman was not a good fit. If her nature did not fit well with what I was looking for, if I didn't think she was going to bless my life or, and that I could bless her life. So I had to learn to be a good ender. And yes, you're, you hit the nail on the head. And I think that was one of the most powerful things that allowed me to be a successful dater and, and to be, you know, to get picky, to get choosy, is that I wasn't afraid of being alone. Now, it, it took me about two years of, of being alone. And, and actually, I've I'm, I'm been married now to my, my current wife for about two and a half, going on three years. And, and I, I lived alone for 12 to 15 years. And because, number one, I learned I liked it. And during that time, you know, I dated and I had a few relationships. Um, But because I got comfortable living alone and learned to like living alone and being on, on my own with lots of guy friends, lots of activities, lots of passion in my life around my work. If I had a woman in my life, great. If I didn't have a woman in my life, great. It it wasn't it did not define my identity. And that's crucial. You, you're really so, so 100% correct about that. Okay. So where do we go to find it? There's a discernment here, which is we don't just want a woman. We want a high quality woman. I, I can't remember the term that you use in, in, in the book, but it's essentially, look, there's going to be, we can go find plenty of women out there. But if we're doing our, if we're doing our own development, if we're investing in ourselves, if we're investing in our own growth, then we want to have somebody that meets us there. And so many guys that I talk to is like, I don't want to go to the bars and I don't want to go on these apps and it's a pain in the ass. So that a lot of the times like, I don't know where to find these women. Where do I find these high quality women? What do you say to those guys? Okay. So there's two questions there. And so let me take them both. The first one is, yes, you have to know what you're looking for. Now that doesn't mean you've got it all figured out that, you know, she's, you know, five foot 10, blonde hair, blah, 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 blah. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, Again, you want to know what the qualities are. What, what are the qualities? If you're going to have a woman in your life for an extended period of time, 
Um, now, you know, I, I, I don't believe that long-term monogamous relationships are wired into our DNA, and I believe we can do them if we do them very consciously. And that begins with consciously picking a person that you're going to be in close proximity with all the time for a long time. And so one of the, the things I have men do, and I talk about this in the book, is, is create what I call a five and five list. And that is just take out a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle. On the left side, I call it have to haves. So these are five traits you a woman has to have for her to qualify as what I call your really great woman or RGW. And by the way, there can be lots of those. It's not just one. It's not a one-itis kind of thing. Over on the right column is will not tolerate. So five things you will not tolerate. And if a woman does or has these qualities or characteristics, she does not qualify as a potential really great woman. And and my rule of thumb is once you start dating a woman, keep this list in front of you. Now, and like, you know, have to have intelligent, honest, passionate, generous, affectionate, you know, thing, things like that. Won't tolerate, you know, moody, angry, unavailable, whatever your list is. And whenever I do this assignment with a group of guys, you can almost almost always tell what their most recent relationship was like, um, <laughs> just by what what they've got at the top of both of those lists. And, and and there may be overlap from you know have to have and won't tolerate. You know, I have to have honesty, won't tolerate lying. That that's okay. Right. But you've got to have some clarity about that, and you need to be checking that list. And I tell guys, tape it up to your refrigerator, your bathroom mirror, where you look at it regularly. And then when you start dating, the first time a woman you're dating comes over to your house, don't take it down. Leave it up. Let her get curious. Well, what's that? And and she'll actually start measuring herself. Does she measure up? And then if she tells you she's got a list as well and and the list shows high quality items, that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a real good thing. So, guys, you got to know what you're looking for. Most men get into relationship. And this is what I've done. It's what most men do because a, a woman seemed interested in us, um, wasn't too bad looking, and at some point wanted to have sex with us. That's the main character. That's the main, you know, foundation that most men build long-term relationships on, and that's not really the strongest foundation to build on. So, number one, get that list in order and look at it. Now, from there, there's lots of ways you can you can meet women. Yeah, you can use uh, online dating apps. Those, those work fine. I think I think they serve a purpose, but the, I, I never got real dependent on them. I worked at being what I like to say more of a social animal. I tell men, you know, get out of the house, expand your route, linger in public, talk to people everywhere you go, test for interest. We'll come back to that and walk through the open doors. And what I found is, is I started living more of my life socially because I tell guys, miracles happen around people. And unless you got a living room full of people, you're not going to have many miracles in your life. So I, I, I tell guys, get out and be around people. I, I, I took my laptop to Starbucks all the time. People, my family called it my office because why sit at home if I can be out in public practicing my social skills and interacting with other people? And and again, I, I started meeting men, women, interesting people, all walks of life. And out of that came a lot of interesting women. I, 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 I can't tell you how many interesting women I've dated, had sex with, how many great relationships I, I, I've had in the last 15 years just by being out 
being social, testing for interest, and walking through the open doors. And there's that bold aspect of it, too. It's like one thing to go to Starbucks and you don't talk to anybody. It's another thing to go to Starbucks and, and mingle and, and talk to people and ask them what's going on. Not in a way of like, okay, I'll only talk to somebody if I think they, I want to have sex with them. It's like, I just want to talk to people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, let's talk about testing for interest because this really – it turned everything around for me. And it's, it's not magic. It's not rocket science. It's really so simple that I'm thinking, why did nobody teach me this as a kid? Not even around dating, but just being social. Okay. So here it is. Testing for interest, it, it occurs at three levels. And first level is just social pleasantries. That is, you're just out in social context, whether it's standing in line at a Starbucks, riding public transportation, sitting on an airplane next to somebody. And in level one, it's just a social pleasantry. How's your day going so far? It's as simple as that. Or if it's pouring rain, hey, you think it'll ever quit raining? Or, you know, if your sports team, you know, is in the hunt of, hey, well, you know, what do you think about those? You know, what well, doesn't matter if they got shopping bags in their hands, been shopping. It doesn't matter. The, the, uh, the other people know you're just being social. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I fly quite a bit, you know, so I get on an airplane, sit down the person next to me. And I, I don't really want to chat the entire flight with somebody I don't know. Sometimes that actually does happen because it's, it's interesting. But I'll, I'll usually just say, you know, I'll make some comment often like are you from here or are you from you know where we're going and just to, it's a social pleasantry i'm not trying to make anything happen and what you pay attention to at every level of all three levels is what is the perceived person's interest what is their your perceived interest in having ongoing interaction with you so if you get on an airplane and you say you from here or are you from you know where the plane's going and and you know if they just say uh, from here and look back down at their book or look through their bag. All right, that's low interest in having continuing interaction. That's okay. No harm, no foul. You found out what you want to know. I call that getting to rejection quickly. You quickly found out they don't want to have an interaction. Now, what I've often found on airplanes is that people do that automatically because they don't want the person next to them talking to them for, for three or four or five hours. But I've also found often if I just kind of lean back, no attachment. Later on, if I make a comment, people then start opening up because I realize I'm not going to pester them the whole flight. Mm. And and if, you, if you're observing people's perceived interest in having ongoing interaction, you're never going to be that guy that doesn't get it, that just keeps on talking when, you you know, people would rather be poking ice picks in their ears, you know, and, you know, running away from you because you're so friggin' boring and uninteresting. You won't be that guy if you're paying attention. So, if you say, how's your day going so far? Are you from here? Are you from there? We're on the airplane. If they say, oh, I'm from here and look back down their book, low interest, don't bug them. Don't have a shame attack. You didn't do anything wrong. If they look up and say, well, I'm from XYZ. Where are you from? Or where are you headed? And, you know, they ask you a question back. They're reciprocal. All right. You just have a little bit of a friendly conversation going on. No attachment to any outcome here. You're just being social. You're making the world a better place. And at times, that will then naturally morph into what I call the second level of testing for interest, where there's some shared connection, some shared interest, some chemistry. And I do this with everybody. I do this with men more than I do with women, especially now that I'm, I'm married. I rarely do this with women, but I, but I still do it with men all the time. And it can morph into to the second level where now you're, you're chit-chatting about something of shared interest or there's just some connection there that organically flows. You don't try to make level two happen. It'll either happen on its own or it won't. Mm -hmm. And either way, that's fine. 
It's okay. We're not trying to make it happen. So at level two, that's where most conversations go and it's where they end. Is that you chit chat for a while and, well, it's nice talking to you. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. That's all that it is. Right. The world just, you know, became a little better place because two people had a little bit of a friendly interaction. And, and you know, they you, you know more people than you did, you know, 15 minutes ago. Right. That's where that's where most of the ends. And during that level two, just like at level one, you continue to observe. You're the observer. Doesn't mean you're not being hyper vigilant, but you're observing what is their perceived um, uh, what was their perceived uh, desire of having this ongoing interaction with you? And if it looks like they kind of, you know, okay, they're looking away or they start looking down at something or getting distracted, you say, all right, I, I, it's nice chatting with you. You know, we'll, we'll kind of catch up with you later, whatever. Let it go. But if, if you're both enjoying it, let it go where it goes. Now, if you get to the point where you want to see how high that person's uh, interest level is in having an ongoing interaction. It might be a guy. Maybe you have a shared interest around baseball or, you know, uh, anything that guys are interested in, you know, sports, cars, uh, you know, whatever. And, and you want to like connect later on and catch a game together. You might say, Hey, you know, give me your, give me your number, give me your email. I'll, I'll reach out to you. We'll, we'll, we'll find a time to go, uh, catch a game together. And if the person says, yeah, that'd be fantastic, here's my number, and gives it to you, and make sure you know, they've, you've spelled their name right, whatever, that's high interest. Mm-hmm. Or if they say, well, you know, I'm going to be traveling a lot for the next few weeks, and I just don't know what my schedule looks like, all right, that's, low, that's a kind way of saying, no, I'm not interested in giving you my number or going to a ball game with you. And most people will do that fairly gently like that. Or if it's a woman, let's say you're having this interaction and she seems to have high interest in you and you're having high interest in ongoing interaction with her, um, at level three, you require something of her. Say, hey, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Give me your number. I'm going to get back to you later in the week and we'll figure out a, a plan to go connect with each other later on. And if she says, I'd love to, you know, and gives you the number. And again, if she spells her name, that's a good thing. Um, and I often tell guys, you know, can't do this on an airplane, but most other places, if she gives you a number, I mean, have your phone out when you say, hey, give me your number. I'm going to give you a call later this week. We'll figure out. A, I, got, I got an idea of how we can connect later on. And if she gives you the number, key it in, call it right then. And then when you get her voicemail, you're standing right in front of her. Say, hey, this is Robert. I'm standing right in front of you. You just gave me your number. I'm going to call you back later this week. I just wanted you to know who this number was on your phone. And and then, you know, hang it up. Say, there, I just left you a message. And it's fun. It's playful. And but if you say, give me your number, I'm going to call you later this week. And again, she says, well, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I've got a boyfriend or I've taken a break from dating or, you know, I'm, I'm real busy right now. That's low interest. No harm, no foul. You found out exactly what you needed to know. You're not going to be thinking about her for the next six months thinking, I should have gotten her number. But no, she's not available. And I tell guys, you don't have to figure out if they're telling you the truth or not. They either have high interest, low interest, no middle ground. And it doesn't matter if she's making a story up. If she has low interest, she has low interest. Let it go. Move on. You found out it's a closed door. Don't waste your time and energy pounding on a closed door or fantasizing about you wish that door would open someday. Move on. The beauty of this is, is what I found is a lot of times I'd be having conversation with a person. You know, I say a person and I'd kind of get done with the conversation and realize, oh, she's quite a bit younger than me. Oh, she's 
really attractive. And it's like that wasn't even so much on my radar because I was just so used to doing what I do in a social context. But that same woman, if I'd seen her like, you know, and didn't know these skills of, of how to be so social and thought, oh, she's cute. Uh, what do I what do I do? What do I say? How do I talk to her? And then I would have either done nothing or just done something really dumb and, you know, probably gotten, you know, a, a low interest response. Mm -hmm. So practicing these skill sets, don't wait until you see a woman you're attracted to and think, all right, what, what did Dr. Glover say about testing for interest? No, get out today and start practicing all with no attachment to outcome, nothing else other than to, to raise your social and emotional IQ, make the world a better place and practice the kind of skills that, that, and by the way, women are attracted to men that look like they own the place. You know, when you walk in and everybody knows you and they're checking you out and, you know, this, that, women are, are attracted to that because you have that, that social proof that is wired into their DNA. And again, you don't have to go figure out how to get them to talk to you. They're going to start sending you signals of high interest. Then just walk through that open door. Beautiful. Uh, I love that. And, and I love that there's an appreciation for where the other person is. You're paying attention instead of how do I convince them to like me? How do I prove that I'm, an, I'm worthy of their time and energy and, and that whole kind of posturing thing that goes with it? Um, all right. So you mentioned being a good ender. That's what so many of us are afraid of. It's why so many of us stay in lousy relationships way past their due date. <laughs> so that fear of being a jerk and that fear of you know, destroying somebody's life because you don't call, you don't want to go out on another date with them. So what does it mean to be a good ender here? Because I can see where this nice guy stuff would come in and just be devastating because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yes, you nailed it. And I think being a good ender is my most challenging skill set of anything in life. I'm not good at it. Um, my first two wives. Well, is there a way to be good at it? Because it sounds yeah. like no matter what, you're just going to, they're going to be disappointed. So I, I, I want, I want to watch out for that expectation that there's a way to do this. And the, cause I think that's part of it. It's like, what do I say? So the other person doesn't get hurt. And it's like, well, they might be hurt and that might be just a part of it. So does that, does it help to just relax that? Well, yeah. So let me give a few pointers because believe me, I've, I've practiced it yeah. and it, it still makes me anxious. I, I think there's a few reasons that it makes men anxious. One, I think is wired into our DNA uh, as men going back to tribal times to be providers and protectors. Um, I think back then we were very communal, both in terms of relationship and sex. We've only been pair bonding for less than 10,000 years. Um, but I think to, to break up with a woman feels to us like we're giving her the death sentence. And I think to women in general, even if they can take care of themselves, they're competent, they're educated, emotionally, I think it's wired into them to feel like a death sentence as well. Because I've, in my experience, at least I think it's why as men are afraid of it, women often have a pretty intense reaction to being broken up with. Even if they don't want to be with you, it's mm. kind of like they still have this intense reaction. So one of the things I tell guys is don't be a jerk, but be willing to be the jerk, i.e. understand that maybe the woman's got to project a little bit of stuff onto you for breaking up with her. But but don't let her treat you bad, but, but don't be a jerk either, but just know that there might be a little bit of this emotional turmoil. But I tell guys also know that she'll be in another relationship long before you are. So it's not like you're, you're leaving her to, to the wolves to, you know, to, to die. She'll be fine. Sounds like there's a willingness to be misunderstood. You're, you're going to come from, you want to come from a good place, but she may not get it. And she may just project that you're the, an asshole and are the jerk and okay. Like let her, let her go ahead and think that you're the jerk. 
It may. And and actually, I tell guys, probably the number one way to find out the most about a woman's nature is to break up with her, because <laughs> you can actually find out what kind of human being she is if you break up with her, is that you're going to see her true colors. Now, don't break up with her just to find out what her true <laughs> colors are. There's other ways. Um, but the other part is, I, I think the number one rule of thumb wired into every man, at least in Western society nowadays, is don't piss off the woman. Um, well, that, that, that affects us in terms of just even approaching women, asking them out, touching them, kissing them, you know, on a first date or, or breaking up with them. We're, we've been wired since mom, preschool and elementary school. Don't piss off the woman. Our, our very survival is dependent on not pissing off women. And, and now women have even more tools to punish you if you piss them off. So men do their best. Oh, I don't want to piss her off. Don't want to piss her off. I'll keep dating her even though I don't want to be with her because I don't want to piss her off. That is so frigging unloving and so unauthentic. But we do it because we don't want to piss a woman off. So here's here's my my rule of thumb. Yeah. Part of it is be willing to let her be upset. Um, and, and, and yes, she may project stuff that has nothing to do with you. And sooner is better than later. As soon as you realize this woman does not have the potential to be a really great match, to be the woman that blesses your life for, for an extended period of time, you need to end it and, and do it you know, if it's a first or second date, you don't need to do it face to face. You can actually just quit calling them after a first or second date. But if you've been on more dates than that, or if you've had sex with them, probably you need to have some kind of conversation that just says, hey, I've enjoyed getting to know you. Um, as I've gotten to know you, I think you're great, but I just don't feel the chemistry I need to keep seeing somebody. Uh, I just want to tell you that to, to you up front that um, I, I'm going to move on. Um, no ghosting, no making up stories that, oh, my, I've got no, cancer and I got to move to Ru Russia for weird no, treatment. No, no stories. And, and don't go into any more detail than I just don't feel the chemistry. Just and if honest. a woman says, well, if she says, well, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't feel the chemistry? Um, don't try to explain that because, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll keep poking at it no matter what. The thing I learned, if she challenges that, what do you mean you don't feel the chemistry? You felt it, blah, 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 you know, the other day. Say, hey, you know, I, I've enjoyed getting to know you. Keep it simple. Just repeat yourself. And if you want to turn it, if you can do this in kind of a loving way, you can say, hey, I'm sure you've been out with guys before that were great guys. You thought they were great. You thought you should fall in love with them, but you just didn't feel it. Mm. And yeah, they're going to nod their head. They, they've been there. Right. And then, then they ghosted that guy uh, and he's trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong. So keep it simple. And, and do it sooner rather than later. I love the whole, like, drop the explanation part, too, because I think that's the hard part is that we, we're like, I have to have a justification for this way that I feel instead of this is simply the way that I feel and that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, and it gets messy when you start trying to explain it. I promise you, the more you try to explain it, the, 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 the deeper the hole you're going to dig. And it's just going to get messy. Keep it very simple. Keep it really brief. Don't let it go on and on. Um, don't then don't start calling her back later on. Don't kind of, you know, reopen that, you know, let it go. If, if it's time to move on, move on. And, and I'll, I'll give you a personal example of this. As I said, my first two wives that I was, I was with, one for 10 years, one for 14 plus years, neither one wanted to talk to me for several years after our relationship ended. Now, I'm, I'm both on civil, decent terms with both. We, we don't talk much, but at least we're not at odds with each other. But when I was dating and really working at being a good ender, one year in December, around the holidays, my birthday's in December, five women I dated, 
four of whom I'd broken up with. One had ended it with me um, after about three or four dates. Um, five women reached out to me, wished me, you know, happy birthday, happy holidays. One, nope, I wanted to get a drink. Wanted to have, go have a coffee. Uh, one or two, one, nope, I wanted to go have sex. Um, and then I was at a, a Christmas buffet with, with my stepkids. And another woman whom I dated for a while walked across the buffet and came over and said, remember me? I said her name and said, I just wanted, I saw you. I wanted to come say hi. So here was six women, five of whom I'd broken up with, all who still thought I was a decent human being after the fact. Mm. Why? Because I did it sooner rather than later. I did it directly, honestly, authentically, and compassionately. And, and, there was no there was no fallout, no damage from it. The women that I let it go on way too long with didn't didn't want anything to do with me for years afterwards. Yeah. And I think you're pointing to the character of us, too. Right. There's a maturity or an immaturity, which is, hey, when we get a little more mature, we just we kind of get it right. If it's not a fit and if we're immature, it's the worst thing in the world. How could you not like me? And I'm so offended. And it's, it's really about them instead of hey, I, I want to be with somebody that wants to be with me. So I, I think yeah. you're, you're pointing to some of the things that we talked about earlier, which is those those things that are non-negotiable that we want to have in a relationship. And like you said, you find them out when, you, when you're in that relationship. So um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Uh, don't be attached to them getting it or thinking you're a hero or you're the good guy. Uh, let them misunderstand you if that's need, needed, but uh, be honest and don't, don't, don't get stuck on needing to justify anyway. It's enough to just uh, say, I don't feel it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Again, sooner rather than later. Don't don't wait till you know you got three kids or three hundred thousand oh, dollar mortgage. You know when you go, I never should have married her. No, don't wait that long. Yeah, yeah, okay. So in the book, you talk about the shit test. Um, what is a shit test? Why do women give men shit tests? All right. Well, that, that I'm not that term's not unique with me, but men, I probably get asked about shit tests more than any other question. Um, I, uh, along with dating essentials for men, I put together what I call uh, a dating essentials for men A to Z encyclopedia, and and that's available on my website. And it's all the questions that men asked in ten years when I was teaching dating essentials for men as an online course. And shit test is the number one question I get asked the most. And I try to reframe it for men. Men call it shit tests because they think, well, shit, she, she's being shitty to me. Actually, that's not why they're called shit tests. They're shit tests because she's checking to see, do you have your shit together? Basically, are you man enough to be her man? Are, are you conscious enough? Are you authentic enough? Are you, did, you know, do you got a, a spine and a backbone and your balls intact? Because women want a strong, integrated, healthy man. I used to say any woman over 35, now I changed that, probably any woman over 17, has been lied to, cheated on, used, neglected, abused, violated by men at least once by the time they, they you know, they, they develop into uh, adult womanhood. And, and they're not real, real trusting of us. They got to go check. What kind of guy are, are we? Can, can they trust us? Can they depend on us? She's got to check and see, can I trust it? Can I depend on it? Is there, are there vulnerable areas that could, you know, bite me on the ass? That could hurt me. That could come back on me. Women have to know that. So they test that. Now I, I, I want to put this out there. I tell men, do not mistake shit test for mean behavior. If a woman acts in a mean way towards you or anybody else, run. Shit tests are never mean. There's stuff like, you know, showing up late, 
It may be, you know, stuff like not calling you back when she said she was going to call you back. Uh, it might be her carrying on a little bit too long with an ex-boyfriend. It's just little things to see. Are you going to set a boundary? Are you going to expect a higher standard of her? And But they're not mean. And, and if a woman's acting mean, just get the hell away from there. That's not a shit test. You don't have to prove yourself. Just just get away. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've seen guys that are like, oh, this is this is a justification for she's, you know, whatever. Like she's evolved. It's her feminine and messy. And it's like, no, she's being an asshole. Get out of there. So I, I'm yeah. so glad that you underlined that because I'm tired of people finding justifications for people being jerks to one another. So thank you so much no. for saying that. Yeah. If she says, yeah, yeah, I, I had sex with the guy at the party, but I was drunk. So it doesn't count. That's not a shit test. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, bye -bye. if. if if she calls you, you know, you know, a poor excuse for a human being or, you know, a, you know, wimpy ass man, if she's, you know, is shit testing you and you say, all right, I'm going to get off the phone and call you back later. And she goes ballistic on you. Do, walk away. Walk away. Because I promise you how you find them is how they, they are. And if you put up with these behaviors early on, that's what you're going to be dealing with throughout the nature of the relationship. She's always going to feel insecure and she's always going to keep poking and prodding you and trying to, you know, if she, 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 does, she can't feel at ease with that, that vulnerability that you've got if you won't stand up to her. Yeah, she's got a test and, and they're actually happy, right? When we pass the shit test, when we... We set a boundary. And one thing that I tell guys to understand, women don't shit test guys they don't care about. They shit test men that they're already interested in and they're they're wanting to check how much how how much more vulnerable can I get with this guy? How much more can I open up to him? How much more can I trust him and let him take me? Right? That's what they're testing for. So they only so I tell guys, don't don't get all pissed off if they occasionally do these little things that you're going, why is she doing that? You know, just stand up. You know, either have a sense of humor about it or set a, a calm, clear boundary about it or tell her, hey, if you're going to hang out with me, you're going to have to do that differently. Um, they they want to pass the shit test. And, and every time early on, women pull some shit test on me and, and I recognize them what they were and I set a clear boundary with them. The women fell more in love with me. I, I could see it happening. So welcome the shit test and, and you pass them by having a backbone and not tolerating bad behavior and lovingly and playfully redirecting them. Um, I, I'll just give you a quick example, a real easy one. I was dating one woman, and this is a woman actually that sold me shoes at Nordstrom. Um, and so I used to go to the mall where she worked, and um, I'd meet her for happy hour at a Ruth Chris restaurant there. And I'd already go sit down at the bar, be talking to the bartender, who I've known now 15 years. And um, and she'd come in from work, and she'd sit down at the bar next to me and just start unloading about her day. You know, complaining about the customers and coworkers and management and, and you know, maybe she'd talk to her mother and I came to find out in time that was an ongoing drama, love, hate relationship. And and I remember the first time she started that, I said, wait a minute, we're on a date. I said, I get you just got off work. But I said, you got five minutes. I got my phone out, put the timer out. I said, you got five minutes. Dump on me about your day. You got my full undivided attention. And when this alarm goes off, we are done talking about your shitty day because we're on a date. And, and she like talked for about two or three minutes and go, I'm done. And, and she was happy that I didn't let her just go on and on and on for the entire date complaining about her shitty day. I drew a line. I playfully did it. Uh, you're on the clock. I'm listening. But you only get this much time to complain.
And and then then she started joking all the time about, yeah, I was training her to not talk about her problems so much. And I laughed, yeah, I do have to train you. And it became this ongoing joke between us. But she liked that I set the boundary, that I didn't just sit there for, you know, an entire hour, hour and a half listening to her complain about customers. Right. The fear is that, oh, if I set a boundary, I might upset her, right? There's the big fear. But actually, there's a freedom. There's an ease that shows up. It's like, oh, cool. Thank you. Right? I don't yep. have to get stuck in that behavior. And also, you, you don't have to get stuck in that, right? You're not, a, you're not a victim to that thing. Like, oh, all she does is blah, blah, blah. So yeah, turn that complaint into a request. I don't, I'm tired of hearing you're complaining. I'm tired of hearing about this. So my request is, you're going to stop it in five minutes. You on board? <laughs> and if not, we're out. Good. And you got, I got my undivided attention. Same thing, like if, if you know, the woman pulls out her cell while, while you're on a date. If you're driving somewhere and she pulls out her cell and starts reading and messaging or in the restaurant, you know, same thing, I tell them, hey, we're on a date. Unless you got a kid at home with a babysitter, the cell stays in your purse. And they go, oh, it's kind of like they never had a man tell them that before. And and it's it, those are what I talk about when I talk about shit tests. They're really wanting to see, are you going to show up and demand a higher standard for them as well? Are you going to have the kind of backbone that doesn't tolerate that kind of behavior that they're, you know, on Facebook or texting a friend while they're sitting in the car with you driving to, you know, wherever you're going? And so I say, unless you got a kid at home with a babysitter, put the phone back in the purse. Okay. And. And, 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 and again, my experience is women liked it that I drew the line. And, and if they don't like it that you draw the line, that's also how you get to rejection quickly. Yeah, you get out of that and you get out of this pattern of yes, dear, whatever you want, happy wife, happy life, those guys that are just bent over and whipped, you know. So uh, I, I love that there's more of a co-creative process here. You're speaking up for what you want and willing to go into that discomfort. And it's a way to polarize. Hey, here's what I stand for. Here's what I don't. And you're free to, free to leave if not. So. Yeah. And I, and I love that term, that polarization. If you're, if you're just trying to make a woman happy, there's absolutely no polarization. And for women to feel attraction and sexual arousal, they have to experience polarity. And it's kind of like on the dance floor. Somebody's got to lead. Somebody's got to follow. And if you aren't leading on the dance floor, they get bored and they're going to walk away. Got it. Got it. Okay. Wow. Lots of great stuff here. Um, go check out the, this is Dr. Robert Glover. We're talking to dating essentials for men. You can go to dating essentials for men.com. Uh, Dr. Robert, thank you so much for coming back to talk. Trip, So much fun. I, I, I love, I love talking with you. We can do it anytime. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit the new man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.